Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Let me give you a snapshot of Las Vegas today. Today in Las Vegas, over 382,000 people will go to work supporting tourism in our city. Because of that, today, over 115,000 people will visit our city as tourists. Also today in Las Vegas, over 793,000 people will eat fast food. Today, 132,000 people will fly through McCarran International Airport. Today in Las Vegas, over 23,000 people will go see a movie. Some of them Avengers for the second or third time. (laughs) I've already seen it twice. Today, over 70,000 people will drive on St. Rose Parkway. Today in Las Vegas, 837,500 people will turn on their television during prime time hours. Just gives you a little snapshot of some numbers happening in Las Vegas today. And with those numbers kind of swirling around in our minds, let me remind you of a question. Pastor Travis actually introduced it to us a few weeks ago. It's one that he and I came across as we were reading a book together called T4T, A Discipleship Re-Revolution. In light of all of those numbers that we just talked about, here's a question I want you to think about. How many people in our city will hear the gospel today? Seven hundred thousand are going to eat fast food. Over eight hundred thousand going to turn their televisions on. Over twenty thousand are going to go see movies. How many people in Las Vegas will hear the gospel today? There's only one message, only one message that can change people from the inside out. How many people will hear 
the gospel in our city today. Or today's Sunday, the numbers are probably going to be up today. Let's, let's talk about an average day, Monday through Saturday. I've not been able to get away from this question. The more I wrestled with this question, I began to think about another question. Here's the other question. What would it take to share the gospel with every lost person in Las Vegas? Paul writes in the, in the book of Romans chapter 10, and he asks a penetrating question. In the middle of verse 14 is this sentence. How will they ever believe in him if they have not heard about him? Then a couple of verses later, he makes this statement. He says, faith comes by, what? Say it out loud. You know what that means? Nobody is ever, nobody is ever going to believe in Jesus until they hear. We have 2.2 million people, they tell us, who live in Las Vegas. The numbers are actually a little above that now, but... 2.2 million people, and the most recent census tells us that 92% of the people who live in our city do not have a relationship with Jesus. That means just over 2 million people in our city with no relationship to Jesus Christ. And here's that question again. What would it take to share the gospel with every one of them? Seems like a monumental task, right? I've been thinking about it. Your pastors here, we've been thinking about it. Last weekend at Hope, we had 3,302 people who attended our four weekend services. That's not, Easter was two weeks ago, so it's not our Easter numbers of over 6,000. We have to have a lot of room because of the Christers, right? The Christmas and Easter crowd that show up on Christmas and Easter. The Christers are coming out, man. <clears throat> but, but normally, we, we had last weekend 3,302 people that were here that attended our worship services. Now, that includes our number of children, and some of the children are obviously too small to participate in sharing the gospel with somebody else. So, so factoring in that out of 3,300 people, some are really young children, and factoring in that obviously we're never going to get everybody to participate in what I'm about to talk to you about. Let's just take 60% of last weekend's number. If you took it exactly, that'd be 1,981 people, but that's hard to do math with, so I'll round it up. Let's use the number 2,000. Let's say we could get 2,000 people at Hope Church, and every week those 2,000 people would have at least two conversations with somebody that didn't know Jesus, sharing the message of Jesus with them. So, so if 2,000 people had two gospel conversations every week, that means that we could share the gospel this week with 4,000. 
thousand people. Now, to have a gospel conversation with somebody is going to take you about five to seven minutes. So, we're talking about asking for about 10 to 15 minutes of time a week to dedicate to telling somebody else about Jesus. If 2,000 people, that's just 60% of us. We're, we're, we're ruling out a whole bunch of us that we know aren't going to do this. But, but if 60% of us would share the gospel two times a week, this week we could share the gospel with 4,000 people. If we did that for 52 weeks a year... That's 208,000 people we could share the gospel with this week. What if 10% of them got saved? That means we'd baptize just over 20,000 people this year. That'd be awesome. We'd plant a whole bunch of new churches in Las Vegas with that. You know what this means? In 10 years... We could share the gospel with every person in Las Vegas. And that's just starting with our original 2,000. That's if nobody we share with ever jumps in the number and starts sharing with us. If just the first 2,000, we could say in 10 years, we could share the good news of Jesus literally with every person in Las Vegas. What if we got really aggressive? What if those same 2,000 people had one gospel conversation a day? We said, Lord, you bring them in my path. I'll give you five to seven minutes every day to talk to somebody about you. 2,000 people, one gospel conversation a day. Now we're having 2,000 conversations a day all over the city. You do that by 365 days. Now we're talking to 730,000 people this year. You know what that means? We can share the gospel with everybody in Las Vegas in less than three years. And you can continue to do the math to extrapolate how quickly we really could share the gospel with everybody in our city. You, and here's the bottom line. We're not the only 2,000 Christians in Las Vegas. What if this movement began to spread across our city? With people opening their mouth and sharing the gospel. You say, well, where do we start? Well, Travis, a few weeks ago, shared this principle with us that the goal is everyone, but we're starting with one. And he asked you a question, who's your one? And a lot of you were here that weekend, and you, you embraced this principle. Because, and the reason we know that is because we've, we've heard from you. You've, you've come down here to the front at the end of our services, and we've prayed. And you've said, man, pray for my one. Or you introduced us to your one when you brought them. And let me just say, by the way, probably not the best strategy to walk up and say, here's my one. And they're like, what is he talking about, right? But I bet it's happened to me 40 times over the last three weeks. I'm like, here's my one. Like, hang a sign on them, right? Here they are. But you did it with such joy because you love these people. That's why you did it. But 
Who's your one? Who's that one that you're going to start with that you're going to, we gave you three words, pray, invite, and tell. You're going to pray for them. You're going to invite them to our Easter service is how we started. But if not Easter, invite them to one of our weekend gatherings. And you're going to, here's the third word that Travis didn't talk about a whole lot back then. And that is, we're going to tell. We're going to be telling people the story of Jesus. Whoa, 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 Pastor Vance. I was good when it was pray and invite. And it was your job to tell them. You telling me it's my job to tell them? I thought that's why we paid the pastors so we could bring people and they could tell them the story of Jesus. Why is it our responsibility? Let me show you Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus, before he ascends back to heaven, listen what he said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You hear what he said there? He said, you will be my witnesses. He wasn't talking to a seminary class, a group of pastors. He was talking to all of his followers, that church that had been born there in Jerusalem. At this time, it was about 120 of them. And he didn't say, do you want to be my witnesses? He said, you are. So the question is not today, do we want to be witnesses or not? The question is, what kind of witnesses are we? Because we're either good witnesses or we're bad witnesses. But the bottom line is, as a follower of Jesus, we're all witnesses. We say, well, what is a witness? Well, the word witness that Jesus uses here is a word that means one who gives competent testimony concerning that which he himself has seen, heard, or experienced. So let me give you a definition of witnessing or this idea of telling people about Jesus. Witnessing, here's the definition, is Simply sharing the story of what God is doing in your life with other people. That's what witnessing is. It's not preaching sermons. It's not having to have all the questions answered. Witnessing is simply sharing the story of what God is doing in your life with other people. And I put some numbers up here a minute ago, and they look a little bit staggering. But did you know that that little group of people that Jesus said this to in Jerusalem... In Acts chapter 1, there was 120 of them. Did you know that in six months, that 120 had become over 100,000 people in Jerusalem? In six months, 120 people led over 100,000 people to faith in Jesus Christ. How did they do that? They must have had a mega crusade. No, let me tell you what happened. Everybody just started telling everybody what God was doing in their life. And it began to spread like wildfire. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have been called to tell the story of Jesus. And one of the ways we do this is by sharing our story of knowing Jesus in everyday opportunities. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, listen to what he said. Many parts of your life mission are unique. But there is one part of your life mission that we all have in common. It's this. God wants you to tell other people about what's happened to you. 
How many of you would say Jesus has changed your life? Let me see your hand. Just hold it up for a second. All right, you can put them down. Don't want you to show hands. Don't want you to answer out loud. How many of you this past week have told some other people about what Jesus has done in your life? Don't, 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 don't raise hands. Don't raise hands. I don't want you to do that. Don't raise hands. I don't want to put anybody on the spot right now. I just want you to ponder. This week, have you told somebody else the difference, Jesus? Oh, we've had a thousand conversations about sports and politics and movies and all those other numbers that we put up here on the board earlier. But if we had a conversation where we've told somebody else the difference Jesus has made in our lives and invited them to personally know this same Jesus. If you got your Bible, I want you to open it this morning to John chapter 9 because here's what I want to do. I want to begin this morning to equip you better to share your story with other people where you live, work, and play, where you spend your time. I want to equip you to do that. And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to look at the story of a man in the Bible. It's a very simple story, and he shares his story with other people. Matter of fact, the account of Scripture that we're about to read from, he's going to share his story three different times in this passage. John chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, this is Jesus passing by. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither this man's sin nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. What a powerful little statement in the Bible. He went away, did what Jesus said, came back, he could see. Therefore, the neighbors And those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but it's just like him. And he kept saying, no, I'm the guy. It's me. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? Now, here's the first time he tells this story. He answered, the man who is called Jesus He made clay, and he anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. (laughs) They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, second time, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Now jump down to verse 24. So a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing 
I do know that though I was blind, now I see. The power of his story. Let me tell you three things about his story, and then I want to help you figure out how to write your story so that you can communicate it to others. Number one, his story was personal. Notice they didn't ask him, how are blind eyes open? They asked him, how are your eyes open? You see, it was his personal experience with Jesus that gave him a platform to tell others about Jesus. Have you ever wondered why God allowed certain things in your life? I can imagine there were a lot of days where this man wondered, why am I blind? Why don't I have my sight? And yet what we learn from this story is God, that's what the Bible says here in verse number three, it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. God had allowed these unique circumstances in his life so that when he did a miraculous work that changed this man, that circumstance could be used as a platform. And here's the bottom line. There were other people who were going to be able to relate to what he'd been through and it was his story that was going to connect with them and allow him to share Jesus with them nobody else has a story like your story Rick Warren went on to say it this way he said shared stories build a relational bridge that Jesus can walk across from your heart to theirs since you came to know Jesus since you were born God in his sovereignty has been weaving together your story in his sovereignty and in his grace he's been writing your unique story and there are people that will hear about Jesus from your perspective and your story and it'll be the the authenticity and the transparency of your story your personal story that'll draw them to faith some people are like oh I got to get them to hear Pastor Vance man if they could just listen people People hear me speak all the time and don't decide to follow Jesus. But sometimes it'll be your story. God's uniquely wired you and gifted you to open your mouth. And it's when you share the story that they're going to give their lives to Jesus and become his follower. His story was personal. Number two, his story was simple. It was simple. Did you hear what he said? Jesus made clay. He anointed my eyes. He said, go to Salome and wash. I went away and washed. I received my sight. No theology. No three points and a poem. No 45-minute discourse. Very simple story. Matter of fact, you could summarize it with three phrases. He said, I did. My life was changed. That's it. Jesus said, I did. My life was changed. Did you know that every one of us have a story just like that? Every one of us have a story that says, he said, at some point we heard the gospel and we sensed the conviction of Jesus that we'd sinned against God. But Jesus had made a way for our sin to be forgiven and our relationship to God to be reconciled. And so when he said we did, we surrendered the control of our life to Jesus. We gave him our lives. We put our faith and trust 
in him. And when we did that, our lives were changed. We began to know God. Jesus came to live inside of us. Our sins had been forgiven. Listen, you don't have to go to seminary to be used of God. You just need to have a life that's been changed by his life. And when you open your mouth and tell that story, Jesus can use your simple personal story to draw other people to him. Number three, his story was powerful. It was powerful. His changed life gave power to his message. You see, they could debate his theology. They could question his methodology. But one thing they could not deny is he was blind and now he can see. I love the way in the text they keep coming and asking him questions. Well, where is he? I don't know. Well, is he a sinner? I don't know. Well, how did he do this? I don't know. What do you know? I was blind. And now I can see. There's a whole lot of Christians. We're so terrified to open our mouths at work, at the ball field, at the grocery store, and talk about, oh, I'm afraid they're going to ask me questions I can't answer. Listen, that happens to me every You know why I know what I know? Because people kept asking me questions I couldn't answer. And I had to go find the answer. They go, what if they ask me about the dinosaurs? Here's what you say. I don't know. What if they ask me, where did Adam and Eve's children get spouses? Where'd that come from? What do you say? I don't know. What if they ask me things about the second coming of Jesus and whether or not there's going to be a rapture or tribulation? Here's what you say. I don't know. Well, what do you know? I was blind. Listen, I used to be guilty before God, but now I am forgiven. I used to have no meaning and value and purpose, and now I have meaning and value and purpose. I used to be alone in this world, but now Christ lives in. Well, what about this? I don't know, but I was blind, and now I can see. I can see. His story was powerful. Because it was this personal story. Listen, the lost world is not looking for you to answer all their questions. They're wanting to see something that's real. Read a book one time by Robert Lewis called The Church of Irresistible Influence. I thought he summed it up well. Listen to what he said. We do not, as many think... Live in an age that despises belief. Rather, it is an age that wants to believe. Desperately so. If you don't believe that, just go look at all the crazy stuff people are willing to believe. They want to believe. Look what he says. Deeply disillusioned by the failure of human reason and logic, it is open to outside and even supernatural explanations. But the world we live in trusts nothing except what it can see and, more importantly, what it can experience. For the watching world, drowning in postmodernism, this is foundational. Not simply the word of truth, but the word made flesh, a living proof. 
and irrefutable incarnation. What's he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. Jesus in you. It's Jesus in you and Jesus in me that is undeniable. He used to be blind. You may not like his answers. You may not like the way he's framing your questions, but he used to be blind and now he can see. You don't have to like his conclusion, but you got to deal with the fact he used to be blind. And Listen, they may not like our answers, but they have to wrestle with the reality that I used to be lost and now I am found in Christ. You got a story. So, it's homework time. I want you to grab a piece of paper around you or get out your smartphone or open it up to the notes section. And I want to give you three phrases. And you're not going to do this right now. You're going to, you're going to have homework from church, all right? I can hear the collective, Ugh. but you're going to have homework today. So I want you to either take a picture of this on the screen, jot it down in your notes section, write it down on a piece of paper that you have. I'm going to give you three phrases. Here they are. Before I met Jesus, I met Jesus when, and then since I met Jesus. Before I met Jesus, I met Jesus when? Since I met Jesus. So, see a bunch of you taking pictures of it. You can take pictures of it. You can jot it down. You can put it in your notes section. Here's your homework. I want you this week to sit down and write your story using these three phrases. Before I met Jesus, tell us something about who you were before you met Jesus. I met Jesus when? I got invited to church, or when I had a friend share the gospel with me, or when I went to a Billy Graham crusade, and you explain how you met Jesus, and then since I've met Jesus, here's the difference he's made in my life. So here's your homework. I want you to take these three phrases, and I want you to write your story, not as a novel. <laughs> write your story. And then here's the second part of your homework. This week, I want you to practice sharing your story with somebody you know. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're a small group leader, if you're a small group leader here at Hope Church, raise your hand. If you're a small group leader, raise your hand. Okay, a lot of hands in the room right now. If you're a small group leader, listen, here's what I want you to do. I know you got stuff you're doing in your small group. I want you to take 10 minutes, pair everybody up in your small group this week, and have them back and forth share their story with each other. And I know what just happened, right? A whole bunch of people said, oh, I can't make it to small group this week. <laughs> Listen, if you can't share the good news with somebody that already knows Jesus, how are you ever going to share it with somebody else? In small groups this week, if you're not in a small group, this is a great time to get connected in a small group. But if you're not in a small group, pick somebody in your family. Say, wait a minute, my family doesn't know Jesus. Great, you're ahead of us. You're going to get to use them as a guinea pig and say, hey, my pastor told me to do this. Are you okay with me sharing this with you? So you're going to write your story and then at least a couple of times, you're going to share it back and forth with somebody else, preferably in your small group. 
Now, as you write your story, let me give you four practical guidelines. Number one, make it personal. Use I and me, not you and your. What tends to happen when you start talking to somebody about Jesus, you can tend to start, you know, you need to be saved. You're a sinner. You got it. No, I and me. It's your story. Make it personal. Number two, make it short. Three to five minutes should be plenty of time for you to share your story with somebody else. Three to five minutes. Number three, keep Christ central. Keep Christ central. Highlight what he has done, not what you used to do or what you now do. We tend to, with the outline, we tend to, before I met Jesus, we like to lay out all the dirty laundry. Listen, it's okay. Share enough for them to understand you were broken. But you don't have to walk them through it. People go through all the garbage of the past. And then, well, then I met Jesus and I'm going to heaven when I die. Listen, they get all the garbage. They understand that. They need to hear enough of yours to know that you can relate to where they're coming from. But you don't want to major on what you used to be. You want to major on who Jesus is and what he's done in you and what he's doing through you. Here's the other mistake Christians make. We get to the, since I've met Jesus, and we get to the, I read my Bible every day. I go to church. I go to small group. I do this. I've been on misery. Listen, it's not about what you do. It's about what Christ is doing doing in and through you out of the overflow of the intimate love relationship with him. So keep Christ central. Number four, use the word of God. The Bible will add power to your story. The scripture says of itself that it is the living and active word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. So anytime I share my story, I try to drop in Scripture. I'll drop in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Or I'll drop in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were sinners, yet Christ died for us. Or I'll drop in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Find some Scripture, because here's the thing. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bring conviction and draw people to God. Our story is a platform by which we get to share the truth about Jesus. So, if you got this, say amen. Amen. If you're going to do the homework, say amen. Amen. If you're going to do the homework, say amen. amen. Now, to give you an example, I want you to watch a video that will show you a couple of moms sitting down and how one mom shares her story with another mom. Watch this video. I know you had invited us to go to church with you on Easter, but it had just been a really rough week with spring break and the kids were fighting and by Sunday morning, we were pretty much over it. And I mean, we're not really the churchy type anyway. It's funny that you say that because before Jesus, church wasn't really a part of my life either. I finally went to church after my friends in college kept bugging me to go. Notice how she made it personal. She used words like I and my. People can relate to a personal story because we all have one. Before Christ, I was really insecure and I didn't really feel like I had a purpose in life. I was just kind of going through the motions. I grew up in a very loving, close-knit family, but I knew that there was something more. Like I knew there was a higher power, I just didn't know how or who. 
After my friends invited me to church, I finally went and I stepped into the building and it was the first time where I experienced the presence of God. I heard the message of how Jesus died for my sins and offers me forgiveness. The Bible says in Romans 5.8 that God shows his love for us while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And ever since I heard that message, I just had to turn from my sin and follow Jesus. Notice how she used the Bible. The Word of God adds power to your story. Since I met Jesus, everything has changed. Notice how she keeps Christ central. Out of the overflow of her relationship with Jesus, she is now going to share all the fruit that has come in her life. But Jesus is a hero of the story. Through my relationship with Christ, I have learned to pray and to read the Bible and apply it to my everyday life. In the good and in the hard times, I have seen Jesus be faithful to me and my family. Jesus is the foundation of our household and everything that we do is filtered through the relationship that I have with Him. Now I go to church and I'm in a small group with people who become my family and my relationship with them has helped me with my relationship with Jesus. So when you say I'm not the churchy type, I totally get it. But since I met Jesus, my whole life has changed. Does that make sense? It does. See how simple, not complex, it's not rocket science. It's just taking what Jesus has done in your life. And that happened in less than three minutes. Just a gospel conversation sharing with somebody else how Jesus can change their life. And you can lead someone to faith in Christ. You can lead them to know Jesus. Now, there are other layers on this. Some people will have questions to want to go deeper in understanding the gospel. And we want to equip you if you want to go deeper in understanding. But listen, these people we read about in the book of Acts that radically turned their city upside down by sharing their story, they knew what Jesus had done for them. They started telling other people and inviting them to follow Jesus. And you can do that today. You can get your story nailed down and you can start sharing it with others. But when you came in today in your seat was a card that says Storytellers Workshop. We have five different opportunities. They're all the same. You don't go to all five of these. You go to one. And in that workshop, some of our leaders and pastors are going to help you learn more how to be equipped to share your story. If this is brand new and you want to go deeper in understanding, making sure you have confidence, we've given you five opportunities. You can sign up online or you can go out in the courtyard today and sign up to be at one of these five storyteller events where we're going to take you deeper in how you can have conversations with. We want you to be confident in your ability to share your story with someone else. We started a couple weeks ago. Who's your one? Who's your one? Pray for them. Invite them. But it's also your responsibility to tell them. Tell them the story of Jesus. Let's pray together today. Father, I pray this morning that your spirit would speak to us, teach us, equip us. As you sit quietly before the Lord this morning, I want to ask you, 
couple of questions. Number one, do you have a story? Do you have a story? Have you ever personally met Jesus? If you don't have a story today, the whole story of the Bible is that God loves you. But the Bible teaches us that we've sinned against God, and because of our sin, we're separated from a relationship with God. But God loves you so much, he didn't leave you there. He sent his son into the world. Jesus came. He took all of your sin and my sin on himself. And on the cross, he died for our sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins so that now you and I can put our faith and trust in Jesus and we can be given a relationship with God. If today you don't have a story of when you saw those three before I came to know Jesus, I came to know Jesus. If you don't have a moment when you came to know Jesus, today when we stand in just a moment to sing a song of worship, we have some pastors here across the front. We'd love to invite you to come to one of these pastors and simply say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and show you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus today. Do you have a story? Second question. For the vast majority of us in the room that already have a story, when's the last time you shared your story with someone who does not know Jesus? When's the last time you shared your story And then here's the final question. Who's your one? Who's God putting on your heart right now? We want to share the gospel with everyone, but we start with one. Who's the one on your heart? Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Just a moment when we stand to sing this song of worship. We're going to open these steps up like an altar. Maybe, maybe you just want to come and just be alone with God and ask God to forgive you for not sharing your story and to make a fresh surrender of your life to being faithful to share your story. Maybe you want to come and pray for your one. Maybe you want to come and pray with one of our pastors for your one or for someone in your, or something in your job, your health, your family, a relationship, whatever it may be. As God speaks to you this morning, the altar is going to be open. Our pastors are going to be here. Maybe you need that move that we sang about earlier of God in your life, and you just want to come and pray, seeking God this morning. We're here. Father, in these moments, would you have your way? Speak as only you can. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.